Strongsville Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Um, there was a MS he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance. To the Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. I'd just like to greet everyone and welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church. Today's message is the value of little. Uh, this message is not a normal message, is not a usual message that you might be used to hearing. It is a spiritual message. It's not a worldly message. It's not a carnal-minded message. You need the mind of Christ to receive it. Um, you know, I've been pastoring for about 10 years, and uh, the church has gone up and down with numbers since I've been pastoring. We've gone uh, up and down. We've never been a, a mega ministry where we've had thousands of people uh, that's, we don't, we never even have the room for that. Um, we've always been a small church, and even my home church where uh, I was a deacon and my pastor had a great big building on uh, the west side of Cleveland, and it was still just a small group of people. I think there was about uh, 10 of us. And I learned way back then before I was a pastor that when you go to a church and there's just a few people, uh, and there's just a little group of people, there's a shame that comes to that. There's an embarrassment. Oh, well, how, the first thing that Christians do when they go to a church, uh, they'll say, well, how many people go there? It's almost like a prestigious thing, right? And a lot of times when people will ask me about this church, because I'm constantly being asked about this church, they'll say, well, how many members do you got? How many people go there? It's the first question, which I find is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to say that that's wrong. People are not gonna change. They're gonna keep doing that. They're, they're gonna keep focusing on uh, uh, the large amounts of things in life. Everything is large, everything is grandeur. But what really we should be focused on is, is Jesus there? Is the word of God being preached? Is the Holy Spirit being present? Are we submitting to the word of God? Do we love one another? These questions are never asked to me. The first thing that's asked is, how many people you got? which I think as Christians, we got it backwards. See, I, I, I will preach. You know, let me just say this. I started off in my bedroom. It was just me and my, I didn't even want a pastor. I started off with, the, with my bedroom, and then I ended up preaching in the jails and the nursing homes, and, and you know, let, one thing led to another. But here's the thing. It takes faith to see the value in the little. Uh, an atheist can come and see grand door. They could see big things. And it doesn't take uh, any faith to see the value of large things. You know, you can go to a church where there's thousands of people and you see, oh, there's a great value there. Why? Because there's a lot of people, right? But see, God will give us and show us the value of little. There are some principles in the Bible that we're going to go on. And um, so I want to encourage you to, to, we have to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. And I'm not trying to glorify a little church and uh, brag the fact that we just have a few people because we may have more, we may have less. It's just part of the way it is. Amen. People are going to come, people are going to go, but I got to keep standing in the Lord. Amen. And preaching what God called me to do. Amen. And so one of the things that God shows us as Christians is is that there is value in the little. 
And most of life is being able to see that value in the little things. Life is made up of little things. Little things that people tend to take for granted. When you wake up and you're able to open up your eyes, that might seem like a little thing. When you wake up and you're able to hear the sounds of the birds chirping, that might sound like a little thing. When you walk outside the house and you see the robins flying in the air and you see the sun coming and, and we got the weeds coming out in the front of the church, amen. It's a little thing, but do you appreciate the little things in life? You see, and, and, and with God, it's sometimes the things that are not seen that are actually the most important. And a lot of times as Christians, we get caught up on uh, the grandeur things of life and we, we lose the value of the little things. You see, crimes are solved often by the little details. You see, a good detective is able to go into a crime scene and there might be some things that are super obvious that don't help solve the crime. But it's the little details it's the, the little tiny residue of a fingerprint that's left behind that the detective finds the value of it. It's the, the sample of the hair that was left behind, the DNA, one of the smallest things that the human eye can't even detect. And the detective who has the right mind can see that there is value in the little things. There is so much power and being able to value the little things that crimes are being solved. Amen? And there are folks that have not been trained properly. They can walk into a crime scene and they will miss all the little things and the person gets away with murder because they don't see the value of the little things. And I'm going to tell you this, folks. Before I get into the message, there is someone that knows the value of little things. His name is Lucifer. Don't think for a moment that Lucifer does not know the value of the little things. A lot of times when he works in our life, he approaches us in a little bit of temptation. You see, because if he comes to us in a great way, it will shock us and we will lose temptation. But if he can get you with just a little, a little temptation, something that seems innocent, something that seems harmless, believe me, the devil knows the value of a little. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So if the devil knows the value of the little, how about us? Jesus said, even the, the hairs on your head, or for me, it would be uh, hair follicles. It's numbered by God. Amen? The Bible says that the good shepherd, the good shepherd, not the hired help, the good shepherd left the 99, and he went after the one sheep. Why? because he was able to see the value of a little. Let's get into the message, folks. Uh, when we do not value the little we have, we hold it back from being a blessing. 
Amen. This is one of the tricks of the enemy is to get us to undervalue that which God has entrusted to us, to get us to think that because we have it so little that it doesn't have any value. But what I learned with God is God is so powerful. He is so mighty that all he needs is a little bit to do great things. And so what is it that we have our faith in? Is it the faith that we have in the little that we have? Or is it the faith that we have in the great God that makes the difference? See, the devil wants you to see yourself as no value. The devil wants to, you to see yourself as useless. The devil wants you to see yourself as ineffective. Because of the little. Amen? But I come to tell you today that there's value of the little. And it takes the mind of Christ to see it. It takes faith to see it. In fact, the less you have, let me say this, folks, the less you have, the more faith it takes. But the more faith it takes, the more God is glorified. When we do not value the little we have, we hold it back from being a blessing. You see, wasn't this the, 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 the essence or the point of the parable of the one with the little talent? There was one that had a whole bunch of talents, and he went out and he used the talents that he got, and it multiplied. But there was one servant who only had one talent. And see, because he didn't see the value of the little, he held it back. He, because he was comparing himself with other folks that had so much more than what he had, and he said, well, I just have one talent, and my master's a hard master, and I'm just going to bury it. You see, that is the trick of the devil, is to cause you or to compel you to bury the little that you got. Do not hold back what you got. What it is that God gave you, use it to the glory of God. You see, my, I know some folks, they'll preach a message and they'll be so pa passionate depending on the amount of people that come to church. Folks, I will preach like there's a billion people if just one person comes. Why? Because I see the value of the little. I know that even though there might not be a thousand people there at that moment, I know if I can touch that one person, they can go forward and touch a million people. Do you see that? You see, God operates not the way man operates. You see, I've gone to churches in California, and it's no I, I'm not here to demonize uh, large churches with thousands of people. That's not my message. So if you think I'm going there, you're missing my point. God can operate in the small and the big. He's not limited. He's not restricted. But on that note, just because there's thousands of people doesn't mean God is present. And there's been churches that me and my wife went to in California, and their prayer, just their prayer room, was, the, was bigger than our whole building. Just their prayer room. And there was thousands and thousands of people. But guess what? Even with all that, from my heart, I was not blessed. I wasn't touched. There, there, there was 
preaching. There was no Bible. There was no conviction. There was no inspiration. There was no edification. They spent half the service talking about uh, money and tithes and offerings. And, and, and I just, I, I walked away less than the way I came. You see that? And, and I've been to large churches as well where I was blessed and edified. So again, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying that just because it's large doesn't mean that it's God. And just because it's small doesn't mean that it's not. Amen. So I'm going to tell you, and here's the thing, because if you don't see the value of what God's doing, then it'll branch out into other areas of your life. You see, I started off so micro small. The Bible says, if you're faithful in little things, I'll make you ruler of large. See, when we started off our optical, me and my wife, we had one patient, one patient a month. And, and all the other optical owners, they would come by and they would laugh, they would mock, and they would ridicule. But see, God trained me that I can see the value of the little, that if I can take care of that one patient that I have, if I can take care of that one customer, he'll go out and he'll tell more. You see, the good things in the life, they often start off little. And they branch out into big things. But sometimes we never get to the big things because we disrespect the little things. Sometimes we never get what God is trying to do because we don't value the little. And you see, it's so easy to see this is little, quit and give up. But see, that's not how God trained me. That's not what I see in the word of God. And before you know it, not to brag or boast, but that one patient a month turned into a hundred orders in a week. And it turned into, we had the, the largest, in the smallest place, we had the most orders in the lab in the state of Ohio. The, the sales rep told me. And we had the largest out of all the opticals in the whole state of Ohio, we had the top. But that didn't happen overnight. It's because I was able to see the value of the little and allow God To be God. The Bible says in James 2, 5, it says, Hearken, which means listen, my beloved brethren, have not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, do you see the contrast here? The Bible says that God has chosen the poor of the world, the people that we look down on, the people that we don't see any value. God sees, he chooses the poor of the world. Why? Because he knows if he can rise up a poor man, that that person will be more faithful, be more uh, on fire for God than someone who had everything given to him and tailored in a life of luxury. Moses even said, I'd rather uh, suffer the persecution uh, with the men of God than live in the lap of luxury with the ungodly. Hearken, my brethren, had not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him. But you, ye have despised the poor. 
Why do people despise the poor? Because they don't see the value in the little. See, we're getting in a day and age right now where humans, just mankind, is now looked at as a disease. That people are looked at as filth. That the life that God has created is now expendable. We can abort babies, full term abort them at nine months, just kill them off. Because there's no value of life anymore. But see, God, not only does he value the top, he values all the way down to the bottom. He didn't just die for the rich, he died for the poor. And look at what it says. Do not rich men oppress you and saw you before the judgment seats? Folks, last time you got harassed by anyone in your life, let, let's, let's keep it real. When's the last time you were oppressed by a homeless man? When's the last time you were driving in your car and just going a little bit over the speed limit and a homeless man pulled you over and wrote you out a ticket? When's the last time the homeless man gave you an audit to make sure that your taxes are proper? When's the last time you got an argument? You see what I'm saying? See, God is saying that, that, that we have to be able to see the value of the little. The Bible says in Mark... 1241, it says, Then Jesus sat over against the treasury, and behold, how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in ten mites, which make a farthing. You see, this, this widow woman threw in uh, two mites. Two mites was like two pennies. It was like there was so little value. There was so little value in what she gave. It would have been easy for that poor widow woman to have been intimidated. It would have been easy for her to be intimidated by the rich people who cast in so much. It would have been easy for her to lose the value of the little that she had and said, well, these rich people who probably gave 10%, probably gave a large amount of money because they were rich. It would have easily been for her to say, well, I'm poor. What good is this going to do? And just held it back and just went on her way. But she had so much faith. That if you look at what Jesus is saying, she gave more than the rich people. Because the rich people, more likely, they were following the law and gave 10%. Percentage-wise, she gave 100%. The Bible says that she gave out of her want. She gave out of her poverty. She gave all of her living, which was 100%. But even though she gave 100%, because it was little, most people didn't see a value in it. And so they didn't even appreciate or thank for what she did. Because they were blinded by the little. You see, little things have a way of blinding us and neglecting what God wants to do. But I can tell you what, if you can endure, if you can persevere, if you can stay faithful in the little that God has entrusted with you, you will get the attention of Jesus. See, a lot of times right now, there's a lot of prosperity preaching. And again, I'm not trying to demonize that anyway either. I, I believe there's times that God does prosper. He prospered me. 
But, but, but here's the thing. God does not give you a grade list based on how much money you have and to say, oh, this person is more godly, more anointed, more powerful based on their bank account. He's going to look at the content of the heart. He's going to look at the faith. He's going to look at their, their, the way that they're living. This woman was able to see the value of the little. He could, if, if God was only focused on the amount of money that was given, he would have praised the rich people. God is more impressed when we give our all. Do you see that? The rich people didn't give their all. They gave what was required according to the law at that time. But the widow woman... She gave her all. Amen? And I want to encourage you today that wherever you are in life, I don't care, again, if you are a janitor or the CEO, whatever you're doing, you need to be able to give your all to the Lord and what you're doing. Because this is where God starts to bless us, is when we give our all. I used to work at the Donut Connection. I was only making minimum wage. But the way that I dressed and the way that I carried myself and the, 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 the concern of details that I put at that place, the customers thought I was the owner. And I was only making $5 an hour, but I could not. They were arguing with me that I was the owner. They're like, we, we already know you're the owner. So, you know, you don't have to... You know, and they wouldn't tip me because they thought I was, they thought I was so rich. They thought I was so rich. They, they're like, you're the owner. So they wouldn't tip me. And that was most of my income was the, the little change that they put in there. But here's the thing. I wasn't working for my minimum wage. I was working as unto the Lord. You see, what I learned in this life that if you're able to see the value in the little, God will. I'm, I'm telling you. If you're able to see the value of little, God will open up doors. But I will tell you this. If you neglect the little, you will neglect the lot. When I walk down on the floor, you would think, oh, I'm so greedy and money hungry and so stingy. But when I walk down on the ground and I see a dirty, nasty, uh, COVID-infested penny on the ground, I will go down to the ground on my hands and knees. I don't care if I'm public. I don't like it. Do, please hear me. I'm not proud about it. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. God tells me if you can't pick up that penny and appreciate the value little then you can't appreciate a million dollars so i'll go and god always lets a penny be stuck in the middle of everywhere where everyone's there high traffic in the middle of like large groups of people and they're usually like rich people and you know and, and i'll have to go down in front of everyone you see you can feel the stare the burning of the eyes piercing my soul as i go down to grab the penny looking like a greedy lounger I, I take it and i put it in my pocket. And I hate it. Let me tell you this. I hate it with all my heart. But God said do it. Because there's something about humbling and crucifying your flesh when you can see the value of a little. God is more impressed when we give our all to Jesus than the value of our giving.
I, I understand this might not be a popular sermon. and this You might not never hear a sermon like this because this is not what people, people want to hear uh, given and shall be given and tithe and God will make you a millionaire. And, and, and that's what people want to hear. And, and look, I'll tell you what, folks, I know how to fill this church up. All I got to do is dump sugar, honey, and syrup on everyone's head when they walk by with the word of God and massage them as they come by. But I know, but here's the thing, God didn't, called me to do that. He called me to preach the gospel and truth and love and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. And the folks that are coming for the word of God, they're going to be greedy for it and they're going to get all the getting while the getting is good. And the ones who want the honey sugar coating, they're going to go where they're going to go. And I'm okay with that. Look what happens in Mark 12, 43. It says, and he gave unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all. Jesus called her out, probably embarrassed her. I don't think she was even looking for praise and attention, but Jesus, he ignored the rich people. He could have been like, man, thank you guys. You guys just blew up the uh, temple. Now we're going to be able to get this. And he actually ignored the rich people because Jesus is able to see the value of a little because he's not operating by what you see in the natural. He's operating by what you see in the spiritual. And look at what he said. He said, this poor widow woman has cast more in than all, and they which have cast in the treasury, for they did cast in their abundance, but she of her want did not cast in all that she had. She did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Think of how much faith that it required all of her living, that means that she went to the bank account and she wiped out the whole bank account and gave, I mean, it was only two pennies, you know, but, but she was able to do it. So then one time we had, uh, God bless her, bless her, I'm going to say the person's name, but we had a, 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 a beautiful soul that came to our church and um, she, I preached on this scripture and when we passed out the tithes and offering envelope, she put two pennies in the envelope to try to mimic this. And I had to, politely, lovingly say, hey, first of all, thank you for your two pennies, but you're putting the church in debt by seven cents every time you give your two pennies because the envelope costs about 10 cents. And so well, someone would say, well, she was poor and that's all she had. No, no, you had to have known the blessed woman. Amen, I gotta move forward. God wants us to love him as our heavenly father, not our sugar daddy. <gasps> Pastor, why'd you say that? <laughs> you know, and there's the sugar daddy, um, the caramel things with the stick on it. I'm not talking about that, amen? God wants us to love him as our heavenly father, not our sugar daddy. See, do you love God just because you love him? Do you love God for what he's done for you already? Not do you try to rub him like a genie in a lamp for what he's going to do for you? Do you love him for what he's going to uh, give you or the gain that you're going to get? Or do you just love him for who he is? Do you just love him for the fact that he already died on the cross for your sins that you didn't deserve and you're going to get into heaven free of charge? 
didn't say after you're saved the road is going to be peaches, rainbows, and butterflies, but you're going to go through what you're going to go through, but you're not going to do it alone. You're going to do it through the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to love him as our heavenly father, not our sugar daddy. Exodus 16, 15, it says, And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. And Exodus 16, 17, it says, Then the children of Israel did so. They gathered some more and some less, and when they did meet it with an omer, which is a measurement, uh, they gathered much and had nothing over, and they that gathered little had no lack. You see that even if you only have little in your life, God will see to it that you have no lack. Even in your little. You see, I used to live off of $800 a month, which was roughly $9,000 a year. And I just had enough to, to pay for my, my laundry. I just had enough to get by. But even then, I was faithful. I was a tither. I gave to the church. Wasn't even a pastor. I was faithful in the little that I gave. And I watched my tithes go up. And I don't mean that I was giving more. I'm saying the overall of what God was giving me kept going up because I refused to not value the little that God gave me. And I'm telling you, people that knew me, that were close to me, they couldn't figure me out because they knew I was poor. They knew, but I was doing things that they weren't able to do with their more money. I had people coming around. I had two, three cars. And, and because I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't on drugs, I wasn't spending my money on prostitutes, I was going on to church and being faithful to God, and even with the little that I was able to do, I was doing more than people who had a hundred times more than me. I knew people that they had made $30,000 a year, and I looked at them like they were rich people. I'm like, man, these guys are loaded. I'm like, they got to be just like smoking money and burn, throwing the money in the furnace and to, to, to fill the heat of their house. 30 grand a year. Wow, blown away. Blown away. Why? Because I knew what I can do with so little, what could I do with a little bit more? And I'm telling you, God just steadily increases. But you have to be able to see the value in the little. Amen. David said this. Look at what David said. David gave a nice balance. He said, Lord, don't make me rich where I forget about you. Amen. You see that? David, King David said, Lord, don't make me rich where I forget about you. And don't make me poor where I have to rob and steal. He also said this. Lo, I was old and now, or I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and begging for bread. God will take care of your needs, folks. He will. And it's sweet when he does. I'll tell you what, the less you have and the more you see God do what you couldn't do, it is so awesome. It is so sweet when you see God provide for something that you, you, you know. Folks, we established this church. We built this church with six people. Six people. I was laughed to scorn. How are you going to start a church with six people? That seems 
like a mockery, like a joke. Like, are you serious? Yeah, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to rock the pulpit. We're going to rock the keyboard. We're going to praise God with our six little people, and God will send who he sends, and the devil will take who he takes, but we're going to praise God in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. When you see the value, the little God will make up the rest. Amen. And I'll tell you what, folks, there are people that they're, they're living in grander lives. There's people probably all around in this neighborhood that we don't even have room to accommodate all of them. And it doesn't mean that they're satisfied. It doesn't mean that they have peace and joy. People that have an abundance doesn't mean that it's providing for them. See, if you need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that if you have him, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not the joy of abundance. There's a difference. Amen? Satan tries to make us feel with what little we have is not enough to sustain us. See, the devil, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is a rampant ideology that's taking place right now, especially because we're, we are truly in uncertain times. We have no, nobody has an idea of what's going on. Nobody. This is a fun time to pastor. Well, I come here for counseling. I don't even know what I'm doing. What can I counsel you with? I, I got to be led by God. Well, we're having trouble. Everyone's having trouble. <laughs> You see, this is a special time. This is a time in a day and age where we need to value the little of what we got in God more than anything else because it's going to be God who's the one that keeps us to get through. There are people suffering from depression, suffering from hopelessness, from despair, from anger. They're, they're being bombarded mentally. They're being oppressed in everything that they're doing. Businesses are shutting down. People are losing families. There are people, there's so much doom and gloom going on. It is now the time that we need to value the little that we got. There's a balance to my word. Do not worship the little that you got. You see that? There's a balance. Value it, but don't overvalue it. You see, we have a little church, but I don't go around telling people, oh, man, our church is better than everyone's. We have more, but, you know, see, you value it, but don't overvalue it. Amen? Stay humble and don't worship what God gives you. Do you see that? Don't worship it. Appreciate it. Be thankful, but don't worship it. Because that's what the devil wants you to do, is either don't value it at all or obsess with it. You see that? In either one, you will not be able to operate in the way that God wants you to operate. Uh, Exodus 16, 19, it says, And Moses said, let, me, let, let no man leave till the morning, notwithstanding they hearken not unto Moses. Uh, basically, Moses was instructing these folks to not take an abundance. Take just what you need. Don't take any more. Take just what you need. If you take more of it, then it's, it's you can't do that. Right? It's kind of like, you ever been to a buffet? And they say, uh, eat what you take and take what you eat. But then you got someone who's their, their belly is, uh, their eyes are bigger than their belly. And, and they, they come up and they got a plate, you know, sky high. And they're wobbling with their plate. And, because they, they, they take more. They, it's like they don't, they feel like by the time they get back to the buffet, it's going to be gone. They feel like it's going to run out. So they just take everything. You see, 
Hey, the food ain't going nowhere. There's people and workers but behind the scenes that you can't see, and they're cooking up good stuff. And when you take that plate, they're coming right back to fill it back up. But we don't have the faith that workers behind the scenes. You see, God has people behind the scenes ready to fill up the source so that it doesn't go out. Moses said, let no man leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. Boy, I'm shocked. You mean to tell me that people didn't listen to the man of God? I've never heard such a thing. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Mind blown. This is my first day pastor, and let me tell you. Uh, notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses. Can, do I have like some, some video effects where I can show my, that might be too graphic. And, 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 and it says, but some of them left of it until the morning and bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth, which means angry with them. And they gathered it every morning and every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed, it was hot and melted. Do you see that? They, they, they weren't able to see the value of the little that they had, so they tried to hoard more. Do you see that? The, the, the fact that you're not able to value the little is showing God that you don't trust him. And I'm not saying that there's never a time where God won't have us to store and to stock up, because he did with Joseph. If you read the Old Testament, Joseph stored up enough. But here's the thing. They didn't, Joseph didn't do it because he's like, well, I don't trust God. You know, I'm sitting in jail here, and I just don't trust God, so I'm going to get rich one day and store everything up. He, that way, he, he did literally what God told him to do. God gave him a vision and a dream and said there's going to be seven years of uh, a feast and seven years of family. And, and I'm going to have you store this up, not for your greedy self so you could brag how great you are, but so that you could distribute to the people who have little. And you can sustain them, and life will go on. True contentment takes place when we value the little things of life. Folks, this is crucial. This is crucial. True contentment takes place when we value the little things of life. Because I'm going to tell you what, folks, if, you, if, if people can't be content with the little church, let me say this, folks, and I, I love you guys, I'm going to say it. If folks can't be content with the little church, then you're, that same lack of contentment, you'll bring that because it's flesh, it's not spirit. It, you, that same lack of contentment will go to a church with thousands of people and you'll, be con you'll find something else to be uncontent about. It won't be the abundance of people. You'll probably be oppressed by all the people aggravating you or whatever. Someone hurt your feelings or didn't say hi. There's a thousand more people and a thousand more reasons for you still not to be content. You see, you, you have to be content in the little. True contentment takes place when we value the little things of life. The little things of life. See, when I, when I came to church today, I had my wife sitting next to me. Here, come up here, Sister Rhonda. It's very important. Come on, hurry, hurry, run. Come on. Amen. Because uh, we'll make it, because I was driving over here, and my wife was sitting next to me. Come over here, Sister. My wife, I call her Sister Rhonda. Here, go hold my hand, right? See, this is how she was holding my hand, right? And I'm driving. I'm driving. 
And I, I, I look over on the peripheral of my eye, and I see my wife's fingers like this. I'm like, that's not right. So I went like this. And I closed each finger, and she started laughing. Why? Because there is value in the little. Even holding hands, it means something. You see that? Even holding hands, it means something. There, 99% of life is in the little things. You see, do you enjoy the little things of life? Because I'm going to tell you what, if you can enjoy the little things of life, it doesn't matter whether the big things come or go. Amen. Thank you, Sister Rana. Thank you. True contentment takes place when we value the little things of life. Sister Ryan says, last time I hold his hand. <laughs> Perverse disputings of men with corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that God, that gain is godliness. From such withdraw themselves. You see that there are folks that they only believe that the more they gain, the more godly they are. And I have a picture of a, a, a U-Haul following the hearse. Amen? That's my attempt of a joke. Amen? There's no U-Hauls following any hearses. I've done funerals. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen Cadillacs following, or uh, limos, but no U-Hauls following a hearse. Uh, the Bible says, from such withdraw thyself, but, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Uh, for having food and raiment, let us be there with content. You see that God is trying to train us as Christians to see the value of the little. I mean, let's be honest. When you put your shoes on, were you like, thank you, Jesus, for my shoes? Or did you just put them on and move about your day? <laughs> see, do you see how easy it is to take things for granted? I'll tell you what, if you couldn't find your shoes. Have you ever not been able to find the shoes that you were looking for? And you start doing what? Praying, Lord, help me find my shoes. <laughs> Many things in life that look valuable come from artificial growth and do not produce life. Amen. Many things in life that look valuable come from artificial growth and do not produce life. Life is full of things that are not always as they appear to be. It says in the mirror that objects in the mirror uh, may be closer than they appear to be or farther than they appear. Not everything in life is what it seems. And sometimes there are things in life that they look to be so grandeur. They look to be so awesome. And what we do is we start comparing ourselves and measuring ourselves by ourselves. But Paul said it's not wise. And see, I'll tell you, that is the secret to living a miserable life. Is to always try to keep up with the Joneses. Always try to keep up with what the, the so-and-so is doing. Just always trying to compare you see, and there are people out there that they have no Jesus. They have no Holy Spirit. And so because you have peace and joy, they'll try to make you feel like you need something that they got so that you, they'll try to belittle you. And that's their way of feeling important is to, to look down on other people, to make themselves feel that they're greater and better and that they love it. But when they come across a child of God that's already content, there's nothing that they can say, nothing they can present. Think about the way Jesus operates. How much money can you show Jesus to be impressed? 
Well, Jesus, I'm, Jesus, I'm rolling. You only had a donkey, but I got a Cadillac, Escalade. Leather interior with the air in the seats. And you think Jesus is going to be like, oh, he's not going to care. There's nothing on earth that will impress God. But we spend our life trying to approve, even in the church, even in the church. I got so-and-so members. You know what? I'm happy. Good for you. Great. And then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll lie. Oh, we got three people. Yep. Three people. I thought you had three deacons. Well, maybe a couple more. Because I'm not trying to compete. I'm not trying to compete. I don't want to feel proud and I don't want to be feeling inferior. Amen. And that should be the same with all of you. Doesn't matter what you're driving, where you live. You don't need to feel like people are better than you and you don't need to feel like you're less than or greater than. There's a balance in God. Uh, many things in life that look valuable come from artificial growth and do not produce life. I, 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 I'm always using the tomatoes as an example. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and you see this big, large, bright, burning your eyes red tomato and you're looking at you can see it a mile away it's just this big it's almost like there'd be this the angelic sound of the angel over the tomato and you hear like this harp playing and you look at that tomato and you're like that tomato's gotta be good it's gotta be good look look at it there's it looks so big and so beautiful it's gotta be i'll pay a thousand dollars for it and you go to the grocery store and you pay a thousand dollars for it and you take it home and you slice it open and you're, you're it sucks all the moisture out of your mouth it's just dry like you're eating cotton and there's no flavor in it but it looks so juicy and then you go to your neighbor's house who's got this evil looking tomato evil looking tomato it's got warts growing out of it and it's dirt all dirty and it's it's next to some uh fertilizer or manure on the side of it and it's got uh worms all next to it and it just looks decrepit it looks like it came from uh i don't even know And you wash it off, and you slice open to it, and you eat it, and it tastes like heaven. It tastes so good. Not everything that looks valuable is valuable. See, God is able to see things, value in things that other folks take for granted. In 1 Timothy, the Bible says 6, 9, but they will, they that be, will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. In my own personal life, before I was a Christian, I had the love of money. I was so greedy, so money hungry, and the more that I was like that, the less I had. And no matter whether I had more, it was still never enough. 
And then the time came where I died to myself and became born again and became a Christian that I didn't care about what I had. I was content with seeing the value of the little that I had, and then money started coming to me. When I stopped chasing after it, when I stopped caring about it, didn't, didn't even matter. Wasn't even wasn't my goal. Was, all I wanted to do is put food on the table and have a place to live and a church to go to. And when I came to that point, money started coming. Even now, I went somewhere yesterday, and someone ran up and uh, gave me $40. I, I didn't go there looking for money. It just, when, when you're not looking for something, that's when it comes to you. All I'm looking for is Jesus. The, the faith, trusts, faith trusts God with what they already have, rather than waiting to receive what they don't have. Faith trusts God with what they already have rather than waiting to receive what they don't have. The Bible says in Luke 17, verses 5, it says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. I want you to get this, folks. Faith trusts God with what they already have rather than waiting to receive what they don't have. Luke 17, 5, and the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Are you getting what I'm showing? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Look at what it's saying. He said, Lord, increase our faith. See, they already had faith. You can't increase what you don't have. They had faith. They had a little bit of it, but they didn't see the value of the little bit of faith they had. Do you have a little bit of faith but don't see the value in what you already have? Jesus didn't say, I need to give you more faith. That wasn't his response. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Not, Lord, anoint me to use the faith that I already got. Lord, help me to use that which is already in my hands. Valuing little doesn't mean losing ambition, but having ambition with the little God gave you. Valuing little doesn't mean losing ambition, but having ambition with the little God gave you. You see, if you have ambition with what God has already entrusted you, you can do things that will blow your mind. In God. In Luke 17, 6, this was his response to the disciples. I'll back that up for a second. I saw a Kodak moment. Look, this was the response that Jesus gave them when they said, Lord, increase our faith. When they said, Jesus, Lord, increase our faith, he didn't say, sure, I'll give you more faith. Look at his response. And the Lord said, if you have the faith, the grain of of a mustard seed. God didn't even require a whole entire mustard seed, which is already small. He just said, if you have the faith, the grain of it. You see that? He didn't say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to increase your faith right now. Watch this. And he could have he could have made a mountain move. He could have made a stick. He could have called angels down from heaven. He could have done all kinds of things to build up their faith. He did none of that. He didn't change anything. He didn't entertain them. He didn't answer their prayer. He didn't answer their request. He simply encouraged them to see the value in the little of that which they already had. 
And the Lord said, the Lord said, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sakamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. In other words, Jesus was saying, you already got everything. Just use it. It takes the Holy Spirit to see the value in what no one else does. Judges 15, 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mighty, mightily upon him. I want you to appreciate the order in what God is doing here. You see, it was after the Spirit came mightily on Samson that he was able to see something that was already there. You see that? It says the cords that were upon his arms became as flax, and they were burnt with fire, and his bands were loosed from off his hands, and he found a new jawbone of an ass. And he put forth his hand, and he took it, and slew a thousand men with it. Do you see that? God used a little jawbone. But here's the thing. A lot of folks would have said, God, look at a thousand men that are against me. There are a thousand men trying to kill me. God, I need a bazooka. I know they haven't been created yet, but I need one. I need a machine gun. I need a German tank. I need a rocket launcher. I need a grenade, a pocket knife, anything, Lord. A sword. Give me what you got, a spear. I need an army. But see, because he had the spirit of the Lord on him, he was able to see what was right in front of him. And he grabbed a little jawbone of a donkey. And then if you watch the movies, they got the jawbone like a dinosaur, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex jawbone. It's this 10-foot-long uh, jawbone, and he's slow. But if, I, I Googled it. How, how, how big is an actual jawbone? The average jawbone is only 7 inches, 7 to 14 inches. 7 to 14 inches. That's maybe the length of this right here. And in the movies, they got this huge jaw that's like a dinosaur bone. You see, God only needs a, a, you know, it's almost like a joke that God can take a jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand people. Who gets the glory? It wasn't Samson. It was God. It was the, the, the Spirit of the Lord. This who is the one who gets the glory, the Spirit of the Lord. And if you have that same Spirit of the Lord in you, that was in Samson, you will be able to see the value of the little, and you will be able to slew a thousand just like he did. This is why I do not operate in fear. This is why I'm not scared. This is why I'm not afraid. This is why I'm not operating like other people. It's not because I'm crazy, but it's because I have the mind of Christ, that I see the value in the little God's doing. I don't need to operate like other people. I have to do things. See, Samson didn't go to some college uh, theology school and try to figure out how to kill a thousand people with a jawbone. He didn't. The less valuable something is, 
the less valuable something is. See, a lot of times right now, people would look at me and say, the pastor of Strongsville Christian Church, yeah, they only got a few people, there's no value there. You see that? Or they might look at you in your life and say, oh, you're only on this job, you're, you're only uh, driving this type of car, you're only in this house, this neighborhood. And I say to you, that's true. But it's not true in God. The less valuable something is, the more glory God gets when he uses it. Judges 15, 16, and Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of the speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called the place Ramathia. You see that? He knew that God only needed a jawbone to solve all of his problems. Right now, you may be going through some serious struggles right now in your life. You might be going through some hardship in your family. You might be going through um, some hardships financially, but I'm coming to tell you now, you only need a jawbone, and God has a jawbone right in front of you. He has a jawbone right in front of you right now that is usable. Our value in Jesus goes beyond riches of this world. And this is my last point, folks. Our value in Jesus goes beyond the riches of the world. Folk, if you have Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, if you are covered under the blood of Jesus, it's all you need. You are priceless. Your soul is going to go on to eternity in eternal riches in heaven with a mansion. And the keys to the kingdom will be given to you by God. God snatched them up. He went into the grave. He went into the belly of hell and grabbed the keys from the devil. He took back the authority and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and glory and there will be one day we will face God face to face and we will know who we truly are. Who we are is not based on what we have. Who we are is not based on what we're doing. Who we are is based on who God created us to be. And I'm going to tell you, when you see God in glory, all the suffering you went through, all the hardship, all the trials, all the troubles will seem insignificant. Luke 12, 6, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Do you see how God values life? Every single life. Every single life has a value to God. If he cares about the two farthings, if he cares about the two sparrows, if he cares about the little birds that are flying in the air that you might not never see, but God sees them. You might feel like God doesn't see you. 
You might feel like God is not aware of your circumstance. But I come to tell you, he is aware. He is aware. He said, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. I know right now, if you turn on the news, you're being crammed with fear. If you listen to politics, you're crammed with the fear. It doesn't matter whether you're Democratic or Republican, you're being crammed with fear. There's fear on both sides being crammed. Jesus has not changed. He's still telling the church today to fear not. Therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Strong's view, Christian church. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good news. To the poor, um, there was a he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives. Let no man deceive you. And recovering of sight to by the any blind, means, for the day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Strong's be a Christian church.